You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 571 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland, coming to you live on this fine Wednesday afternoon. A little bit of an odd taping time, but I am still traveling for the old day job, which means it's just me. One more time today, I have some planned guests for the future, one of which I was going to do this week while I was uh, out of pocket, but it did not work out technology-wise. So here we are, and I have plenty to discuss on today's podcast with regard to the Atlanta Hawks. So thank you for joining me, as always. Um, First and foremost here, a couple of newsy-ish items, and then we'll end the podcast with a couple of mailbag questions that we got over the course of the last few days. Um, First, I will start with the fact that um, the Hawks were linked to Zion Williamson in a a nice, encouraging way. If you're a Hawks fan, it doesn't really mean too much, but I wrote about this a little bit at PeachtreeHoops.com, and um, it's basically a new ESPN poll that came out citing uh, four of their experts, Jonathan Gavoni, Bobby Marks, Kevin Pelton, and Mike Schmitz, and the uh, goal was to rank the 14 teams with a chance that at the number one pick based on how likely they are to help Zion reach his superstar stealing, end quote. And uh, the Hawks finished number one on that on that list. Not a huge surprise in any way, shape, or form, and I think people are well aware of Zion Williamson's talents at this point. He is a consensus number one overall pick. I guess you could probably find someone who thinks that John Morant is a better prospect, or maybe even R.J. Barrett, but uh, in an overall sense, the vast majority of people have Williamson number one. I have him at number one comfortably in this class, and uh, it's pretty... Pretty common, even for folks outside of Atlanta, to sort of dream about him with Trey Young and John Collins and running in the way the Hawks play in their fast-paced style, their uh, you know, unselfish, lots of passing, um, ball movement, that kind of stuff. He'd be a great fit with the Hawks, and that kind of is, is reflected here, as well as the fact they are in, a, in, in this rebuild with young talent and a bright future. So no big surprise the Hawks came in number one overall with this particular uh, poll slash ranking. Uh, Elsewhere committed on the list was uh, Dallas at number two and New Orleans number three. That, of course, factors in New Orleans still having Anthony Davis, which they probably would have a better chance to keep him if they had Zion Williamson. Frankly, I'm not sure he would stay still, but it's one of those things where you could at least get, um, you know, at the very least you would be able to get the package in return for Davis to pair with Williamson and give yourself a bright future um, looking forward. But, you know, I think for me, I agree with this. Uh, Even Obviously, there's a little bit of of bias and this is the, the, the team that I'm covering, the team that I've seen the most of in my life. At the same time, um, the Hawks have the combination of young talent, especially high pedigree talent in Collins and Young, and combine that with flexibility and a clear plan in place, as well as uh, with a a very encouraging up-and-coming coach to pair with Williamson. So all those factors plus fit, et cetera, I think I would definitely agree with the fact that the Hawks are perhaps the most intriguing destination available for Williamson. Of course, it is worth pointing out that the Hawks only have a 10.5% chance to actually get the number one overall pick in the class, which probably is what you're going to be able to need to get Zion. There is a small chance, of course, that the Hawks could trade up for him, especially if they were to land at two or three in the, in the lottery. But I think for me, it's more than likely that the number one pick is going to just take Williamson and profit from that point in, in time just because ownership gets involved. And I don't think any owner wants to be the, the, the team that trades down from Zion and cost yourself all that marketing. And of course, for me, he's the best player in this draft on top of the marketing stuff and the ticket sales stuff and the highlights, etc. So I think that it's a pretty small chance the Hawks get Zion Williamson, 
But if they do, uh, it's pretty clearly a great fit and one that we will definitely enjoy watching if it comes to pass. Um, elsewhere, the NBA, the NBA title odds came out, at least the betting market odds over at Westgate Las Vegas, which I think is the, is the sort of leader in the industry. They posted their NBA championship odds for 2020, which is, of course, next season. Of course, this, this season is still going, but for the Hawks, uh, next season is definitely the focus at this point. And Atlanta came in at 100 to 1 odds. That does seem like a long shot, but... For some context, last year the Hawks were seen as dead last in the opening odds with either 500 or 1,000 to 1 odds, depending on where you looked. And Of course, that was uh, before the draft and free agency, but still, the Hawks jumping from that to 100 to 1 is actually noteworthy and kind of tells you that there's a little bit more interest in the market and a little bit more buzz about the Hawks than there has been in recent years. In fact, there are nine teams with worse odds than the Hawks. They are the Pistons, Hornets, Heat, Wizards, Cavs, Wolves, Grizzlies, Pelicans, and Suns. Definitely surprised to see teams like the Wolves and Pelicans based on the way that they played recently, having worse odds to win the title than the Hawks do. Uh, the Pistons were in the playoffs this year, for instance. Uh, all those teams were uh, are seen to, as less likely to win the title, at least in the market, than the Hawks are. Um, other notable teams I wanted to point out, the Knicks were 16-1, to which made everybody laugh, but that was definitely pricing in the assumption that, that they actually might get Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant together. That would, that would of course, vault them. For some more context about how much um, stuff can change between now and July, Toronto, who might make the NBA Finals and the Lakers have the same exact odds at 20 to 1. Of course that price is in that Toronto could lose Kawhi Leonard and if they do that they will definitely fall off whereas the Lakers could be adding Anthony Davis or another top tier, top tier free agent to go along with LeBron being healthy etc. Uh, Dallas 50 to 1. Of course Hawks fans have a close eye on Dallas. Other teams that are, have the same odds as the Hawks Orlando, Chicago, and Sacramento. Um, Sacramento and Chicago interestingly enough I think the Bulls pretty clearly have a worse outlook than the Hawks do, in my opinion, based on talent and flexibility and all that stuff, but they do have more of a pedigree in getting free agency, free agents in here, and there's, I suppose, and Sacramento was much better than the Hawks were this year with De'Aaron Fox and those guys. Um, Orlando made the playoffs this year, but it doesn't really have the same ceiling, etc. So it doesn't really mean all that much right now unless you want to go out and rush to bet the Hawks at 100 to 1. If you think, if you think the Hawks are going to do something big in free agency, then you would certainly want to get more value now. That does not seem like a huge uh, idea for me, at least a huge likelihood of, w of what would transpire over the next couple of months. But keeping that in mind, just another example of uh, all the steps that have been taken by the Hawks in recent days to be uh, more encouraging in the marketplace and uh, across the league than they were this time one year ago. So before we get to the mailbag questions on today's podcast, do we take a moment to, to tell you about the good folks at Zip Recruiter? Because hiring is challenging, but there's one place you can go where hiring is simple, fast, and smart, a place where growing businesses connect to qualified candidates, and that place is ZipRecruiter.com slash locked on. ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards, but they don't just stop there. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invite them to apply to your job. As applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one of them and spots like the top candidates so that you never miss a great match. And it's so effective that 80% of employers who post a ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day that the job is posted. Right now, my listeners can take advantage of this fantastic offer and take advantage of ZipRecruiter for free at an exclusive web address. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash locked on. ZipRecruiter.com slash L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. ZipRecruiter.com slash locked on because ZipRecruiter is the smartest way to hire. All right, and we're back to talk about some mailbag stuff that came in 
over the last couple days. The first question comes from Randy, who says, Travis Schlank referenced last year's trade down during the media availability on your podcast that you posted earlier this week. I know it's not the same circumstance, but hypothetically, would you do the same exact trade for 2019? Basically, the Hawks would be getting the number two or number three pick in the lottery and then trading back to four or five with a top five protected first rounder as the sweetener in the deal. Um, first, I would say uh, that is not likely to happen in the fact that the Hawks have to get number two or number three in order to make that happen, which isn't super likely. But if we assume that's going to happen, I think that definitely I would do that deal. Um, barring a situation where Zion falls, that was the thing last year um, that made some people, including myself, a little bit skittish with making the trades that I had Doncic at number one coming into last year's draft. So to have him fall on your lap at number three made things a little bit different. With that said, I think the gap between Zion and everybody else in this class is wider than the gap between Doncic and everyone else last year in the draft. And of course, the Hawks have uh, seemingly nailed that trade with uh, Doncic and Troy Young and capitalizing with the extra asset. So um, in a vacuum, we're talking about the number two, number three pick in this class. Um, if it's number two, I am on record repeatedly as saying the Hawks should be trading down from there and getting whatever they can get for John Morant because they can't take him, in my opinion. Um, but just even in a, even just in a vacuum, the value here, getting a top five or ten top five protected pick for next year or the year after that to go down two or three spots in this draft would be a wise decision, at least unless you factor in a team that's gonna, that you think is going to make a huge jump. So this year, you could have reasonably reasonably projected Dallas to finish you know as the Hawks did somewhere in the eight, nine, ten range. Even if they were better than that, it wasn't going to be too much better than that. Um, so. Factor that in, and you could have assumed it's going to be a late lottery pick. That's pretty good value. Um, this year, I would do the same thing. If it's a team in the same situation where you can assume the 2020 draft pick is somewhere in the mid to late lottery, that makes all sense in the world to go down two or three spots because I think, for the most part, this draft is pretty flat. So go ahead, go ahead and do that, and that, that makes a ton of sense. For just This is just an example of that, but if the Hawks were number three overall and uh, you figure Williamson and Morant are off the board, and uh, I, w- I would rather take um, the trade down and go from three to five, let's say, take Jarrett Culver and then get someone um, you know, for next year rather than taking R.J. Barrett. Same with DeAndre Hunter if Culver wasn't there. Um, same, you know, maybe, maybe not Cam Reddish, but somewhere in that same range. If you get the number five overall pick, that's a pretty good value. So to answer the question, yes, I would do that in a vacuum. Uh, things are hardly ever in a vacuum in NBA draft circles, but if that was going to happen, I would certainly take that deal. And I think it's almost better value this year um, in a vacuum than it was last year. Last year, of course, worked out very, very well because Trey Young looks great and the Hawks, um, I think, still have that, you know, the, the pick for next year, uh, sorry, the pick for this year that could be for next year if it does not roll, if it, if it does not land in the Hawks' uh, preferred range in the lottery. Um, that's a very nice sweetener, and of course there are people that would rather have Young than Doncic even in a vacuum right now. So those guys being very close together throw in a throw in a lottery pick, and you suddenly have the makings of a very positive trade for the Hawks. So nothing's in a vacuum. Uh, just to, to sort of wrap things up on that question, but um, I definitely would do that deal if you offered it to me right now without any other context. Uh, next question comes from Aaron, and uh, they ask, is DeAndre Bembry an extension candidate? I haven't seen anything about that, but there seems to be some buzz about Torian Prince getting extension from that same draft class. Um, this is interesting because, obviously, Prince is a more established player than Bembry. This was the first year that we really saw Bembry over a full season. He was very durable. He was in the rotation all year long, and I've always been a pro Bembry guy. Um, with that said, Prince is still a vastly better player right now and prospect than Bembry is. Just because of the fact that, you know, I know Prince has been sort of maddening and I've been on record a lot and being frustrated by him, but he's still 6'8", 210, 220 with the ability to shoot 40% from three. And that is a very um, sort of high in-demand 
a skill set that Bembry just doesn't have. Um, so I think, you know, aesthetically, I enjoy Bembry's theoretical game more than Prince's. With that said, Prince is still a much better prospect, much better player than Bembry, and that makes the, the extension decision, uh, uh, discussions more apt because, like, A, just Prince is just more proven at this point. I know Bembry was healthy all season long this year, but before then, there was really no evidence that he was going to be an NBA player other than just pre, pre-draft availability and some bright flashes throughout his uh, when he was actually healthy. Now that we've seen a full season from memory, I certainly could see him being a long-term rotation piece for someone, whether it be the Hawks or otherwise. There's still some issues, though. His shooting has got to improve. We've been saying that for two, three, four years now. Um, at the same time, Bembry, you know, he's going to have to improve that area. It also has to stop turning the ball over. Defensively, he's really turned it up to the point where I think he's better defensively than I thought he was going to be coming out of college, which is a good thing. But he's not had quite the same, the same success as a scorer and playmaker that I thought he might be able to as sort of a secondary guy. So offensively, I think he's kind of a negative at this point in time. Defensively, he's a clear positive. But if you could contrast that with Prince, Prince is a clear positive on offense as long as he's fitting in with, with the way that he can shoot the ball. And defensively, it's been frustrating. But uh, he has some tools there as well if it all comes together. Um, with that said, it's not only a comparison of those two guys. Um, as far as the extension candidates stuff go, um, you know, Bembry is not someone I've heard anything about. He, 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 could, he could sign an extension just, just as Prince could. It can't happen until July, which uh, actually Travis Schneck was asked about during his availability last week. Um, Prince is going to be the one that they talk about more because obviously he would get more money than Bembry would. And Bembry does not normally fit the, the sort of t- the sort of player that would get an extension because you know, that's, that's normally reserved for guys who are you know starters or maybe at the very least like six men candidates who are more proven, more established, and you want to lock them up before before uh, restricted free agency actually arrives. Whereas with Bembry, I guess it might make sense to lock him into a uh, a low cost deal that would give him some certainty for the future and also give the Hawks some uh, breathing room in terms of potential upside. But for me, it doesn't it doesn't make a ton of sense. I I, I want to see him do it for one more year. If he explodes and plays really well, you still have match rights on him. If he doesn't play that well, then you, you're, you're not locked into a multi year contract on someone who you're not sure is going to be in the rotation. So. I would not also, in terms of Prince, I would not be looking to extend him at any number that was more than a bargain price for the Hawks. I think he'd certainly want a, uh, a starter-level contract, like something in the $15 million range per season. I would not give him that contract. If he earns that this year, then you could still sign him to something around that range or maybe a little bit more than that next year, and maybe you won't get the greatest value in the world. But there's a lot of downside risk for someone like Prince if you go ahead and give him a four-year extension. We saw it with Dennis Schroeder. It's different positions, very different circumstances between now and when Schroeder signed that contract. But when he got it, it was four years and you know 60 to $70 million based on incentives. That looked like a reasonable-ish deal at that point in time for someone who they thought was going to be the point guard of the future. But pretty quickly, that turned into a negative contract. Um, Prince... The, probably, the downside probably isn't quite as high because he is a wing who can play alongside other people where a shooter needed the ball in his hands, etc. So it's not a perfect comparison, but the most recent um, extension that the Hawks gave out to someone did not work out very well. And it was sort of a, a typical one in that way and that Schroeder was sort of ascending from a bench role into a starter role. We've now seen Prince as a starter for basically two basically two full seasons. And, you know, it, there were highs and lows, but his skill set is still very clear. He's a great shooter and someone who could certainly improve in other areas and isn't perfect by any means, but still has the makings of being a rotation player at the very least. Whereas Bembry, there is some downside that would be him not being a rotation player for the long-term future of the Hawks or otherwise. So all that to say, I think Bembry would not be a prime extension candidate. They certainly could offer him one. It wouldn't be the craziest thing I've ever seen in the world, but um, if uh, the season opened and he was not under contract beyond the next season, I would not be surprised by that at all. And we'll see how he plays if that comes to pass. So after that long and winding answer, I appreciate everybody t- tuning in for the podcast today. A little bit shorter than normal, but I wanted to sort of extend things. And I'm, I wanted to catch up with, with some stuff, being that I'm on the road, but not perfect environment for me 
to record the podcast, so please forgive the lack of audio quality on the show. Of course, next week is going to be the draft lottery, so we will have plenty on that. I have a guest or two lined up for immediately after that. I'll probably break down things myself immediately after with some numbers and things like that. So at the very, very latest, we'll come back on Wednesday morning or Tuesday night, I should say, after the lottery uh, results are in. I do have the possibility of a podcast between now and then, but I won't promise thing. I won't promise anything, but we will definitely ramp up our full draft coverage as soon as the lottery is set. It makes a lot, it makes it a lot easier to discuss things for the Hawks with potential draft experts across the uh, podcast landscape and the writing landscape if we know where the Hawks will be picking. So uh, please stay tuned for that. Please subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts, Himalaya app, all those places that you want to listen to pods. Please go ahead and do that for us. It'd be huge for me to get you to do that. And uh, we will come back at the very, very least next week with more content on the Atlanta Hawks.